Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick, Mitch Hotch with you this morning. I am back in the office, as you can see. Good to be back here in my usual desk with all my screens and my monitors and, and, and my mixer and all this good stuff. So uh, if, if if any sound levels are off today, let me know, because it's my first time back in, in, in with this setup in quite some time. So uh, sort of getting things back to the way things were. Uh, but we got a lot to get to on today's show. Big story this morning is going to be silver, silver, and then maybe after that we'll talk more about silver uh, because that is what's blasting off. You can thank the Reddit community for that. We'll talk about the moves in the SLV, the moves in the futures, what it potentially means for this week. Uh, today's show is also sponsored by Market Structure Edge. Uh it is the first decision support platform for traders built on market structure. Try the new way to trade at marketstructureedge.com. Our guest is going to be a great one. I'm so excited for our guest today, Joe Saluzzi, the co-founder of Themis Trading. And he is going to take us to school a little bit and educate us on how the structure of the market factored into the craziness from last week. So I'm really excited to talk to Joe. That'll be at 8 35. I want to remind you all to hit that like button, hit subscribe. If you're watching us on any other place, our most active chat is on YouTube. So ch- hop in there. That's where we're paying the most attention. We're also on Benzinga.com, Benzinga Pro, social media. But again, check out that YouTube chat. Let's throw it to Joel now. Joel, how are we doing this morning in the overnight session? Hi ho, silver, right? Sure. Uh, SP futures. Big old dip off the open last night. They got it down to 37.51 and a quarter, and uh, by the dippers turned it around. We had a, we had a, a, well, no, we got to 56 and a half. We got up to 51 and a quarter. 95 point rally there off the pre market low by the dippers, starting to leak a little bit. Crude, boy, it's finding that support there, and it bounced once again. Great support at 51.60.70 area. Two weeks in a row made lows there. Up 44 cents at uh, 52.64. Gold is moving. Gold's up 14.70 at uh, 18.65, but that's not the story. The story is silver. Up almost 11%. The futures got over $30. 30,350. That's right back where the old high is. Backing off a bit. Uh, Bitcoin, big all range in that, uh, 2,500 point range, uh, 32,530 the low, 35,000 the high. That thing is just grinding in the 30,000 handle, 30,000 to 40,000. We are right in the middle. So, uh, Triple D, first of all, did you rest up? Did you do something to get your mind off the markets? What? What did you do this weekend? Huh, I did. I tried to do everything to get my mind off the markets, but it keeps going back there because there's so much stuff going on. I did I did a little plumbing, actually. I don't normally do this, but you're in lockdown here in Ontario, and it's not that easy to get a plumber. So 
I was like, okay, we'll give it a shot. So at my parents' house there where they had a, a copper pipe that sprung a leak. And I got a lot of friends that are pretty handy. And I just called uh, my buddy Jeff up there who does listen to the show. Hi, Jeff. And uh, he said, uh, just go grab a shark bite and just cut the pipe and and just uh, push it on. So I was like, all right, let's wow. do it. So I went in there and boom, put the shark bite on and no leaks. I'm like, so I just, I just passed level one plumbing, he said. Did you do it on the uh, internet? Did you go on the internet for some help? I told or... me to. I didn't, though. I would have been the next step. If when it didn't work and it started leaking like crazy, I probably would have went on the internet. So, no, it worked. That shark bite, that was easy. Because I'm not soldering or anything like that. And it was in a wall. So, it's like it's hard to get in there. So, I could just get my hand in there, really. So, it wasn't Jeez. the easiest fix. But, yeah, so we got it. So it All good. right. So, we, we could talk about the plumbing in the so When my trading if... fails, I can become a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> that's saying we're going to talk about the plumbing in the market today so that's a good segue i should have used that before joe i should have used that before joe came on because that would have been a really good segue for joe saluzzi but anyways we i'm excited to get joe uh, i saw joe on cnbc last week obviously he was talking about the whole situation you know with everything that's going on lots of market structure stuff happening here we'll talk short sales we'll talk all kinds of stuff but you know let's talk some stocks well let's talk silver should we talk silver yeah, or, or we just go, ignore silver. You want to ignore silver? Uh, I think it's kind of hard to. Do you, should I bring up the SLV or should we look at the futures? Whatever you what want to do. Okay. I'm looking see. at the SLV because I don't like paying for futures quotes, so maybe I should that. start. <laughs> so SLV up nine and a half percent here this morning. That's a nice move. That's a nice ordinary move. <laughs> I mean, wow. I don't know what to say. I guess this is the new squeeze. So, so, so the one thing that talks to me why? Yeah. So that's the thing is, and a lot of people in in the chat uh, contradicted me when I said that it, uh, Reddit was 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 pumping silver. I don't think Reddit really knows what it wants to do with silver right now because there are there are some posts on Reddit that are saying, "Yeah, buy SLV, buy silver, screw the banks," and there are other posts that are saying, "No, don't do that." Citadel and all the big banks are the largest own holders of silver. You, you only help them. So I don't think Reddit really knows what it's doing. They, they, they're not moving. It's not like GameStop where everyone's on the same side. It doesn't appear that everyone, like everyone's on the same side here. So I don't really know if they know what's going on. What, what, I, what I do know is that almost a billion dollars uh, of inflows went into SLV on Friday, which had to have been a record. Do you not think that it's like Reddit's lighting the fire? And then there's hedge funds that are coming in and really moving the price. Joel, mm -hmm. we've been talking about right. this. And we got stats, cool stats uh, that um, w was brought out Over by Bloomberg weekend. reporter there last week from Citadel and GameStop. And on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, retail was a net seller of GameStop. So what is that, Tony? Exactly what Joel and I have been telling you, that it's not all retail moving price, that there is a lot of big players moving price here, too. I mean, you've got a complete separation. The algos are on this stuff, too, now. So I think like it's like Reddit lights a fire, and then the hedge funds, that's where they go and lock, and they're like, okay, we can get this one going, too. So I think there's a lot of players in here pushing price around. Um, yes, I don't think retail, you know, I don't think it's all, Wall Street bets coming in here and making the silver market go up 10%. So, but you know, you got to watch it because if that's, you know, what's lighting the fires all the time, you got to look where the, what's burning. And I mean, right now, silver, if you're a short silver, you're burning. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, do technicals matter and stuff like this? They do. We know uh, yep. fundamentals have taken a back seat, but now it's just like, well, what are they moving now? 
So silver's up 10%. You can see the silver stocks. We saw the last week, AG had been moving because of the short squeeze. And now it's going to really squeeze here today. So maybe it'll be your story. $14 three trading sessions ago. You almost got a double on a silver stock in three days. Uh, and a long time since I've seen that. Up 38% here this morning. It's got the short interest too. So it's squeezing. But you got stock, the other silver stocks flying too. WPM up 13%. You want to look at some ETFs, SIL. SILJ, those are two of the major ETFs that hold junior miners and, and obviously the senior miners as well. Lots of stuff moving. Uh, everyone and uh, a couple of people in the chat just uh, wanted me to bring up uh, Silver Thursday uh, when the Hunt Brothers, remember when the Hunt, Hunt Brothers, probably you don't remember. Not really, I was no. actually in high school back then. Uh, Wilbert Hunt and Lamar Hunt tried to corner the silver market. And they... how'd that work for him? <laughs> not great, not great, Bob. <laughs> it didn't work out in the end. No, they didn't all become I... millionaires. Uh, not, uh, not after Silver Thursday, man. It crashed. So, I don't but they know. didn't have Reddit, <laughs> they didn't have Reddit back then. So, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yep, they lost over a billion bucks uh, at when it uh, when it uh, collapsed. So, uh, it's a different time. Right, I mean, they got in trouble for it, but it's just a different time. It's just a different environment, speed of uh, communication. Who knows what's going to happen? I'll just, I'll just stick with the futures here and the technicals. And uh, man, thirty bucks. I mean, that's a big area. That's where we got up to. Um, in what month was that? That was in August. And there we got right there again. So if you're looking for a major breakout. The futures got to 30,350 30, back under it, but I don't know. That's the break. What I, was I the high? The high back when we 50, had the big squeeze? 50. 50 and yeah. it went crazy back then, too. We're going back to what, about 2011? Yeah, yeah, that was a, yep. And when they roll, I got the yeah. chart up bigger here. They rolled yeah. the futures contract. So it's showing over 50, but whew, I mean, you look one, at that chart, I don't know. I don't one know. thing I will say, and what I've been saying, when these things start going, it hasn't paid to be the first person jumping in on the short train. So normally I fade big moves, but I have changed my trading, trading strategies significantly in the last two weeks. And I will not be fading this move because I see what goes up continues to go up in a lot of cases here chasing has been working but you know i'm not chasing stuff either because i've lost so much money over my trading career chasing a lot of this stuff that's moving around crazy i'm just sitting from the sidelines because you know what even if you're buying gme there and you know it's obviously up significantly there has been a lot of volatility and you have oh, yeah. taken a lot of heat throughout this you know it goes 100 to 300 back to 100 back to 400 back to 300 I mean, it's been just bouncing and bouncing. And I mean, silver is the same thing. You think, okay, well, it's silver. How high can it go? I mean, you get everybody moving on the same side, it can really move. So, again, um, it's, you know, I, does, does gold move with this, you think? Like, if silver rips know. up? I don't know. I, I would I normally have seen silver move, and you think, oh, well, gold's going to get some life eventually here, too. But because we're so, you know, you know we're talking about one thing and, and, and these Reddit chains, and they all get just getting on that. Maybe, you know, the pairs trading aspect of it, you know, the relationship-based metals, boy. metals. Maybe it doesn't even work here. Apply in this new environment. I'm not sure. 
Learning I mean, every day right now. <laughs> it's uh, they've decoupled a little while ago. So they had been moving kind of, you know, they're supposed to move together. Well, they decoupled three days ago. Well, <laughs> when, when 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 Reddit decided that they wanted to own silver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, I think the relation. First of all, silver has been a overall laggard off the low. Uh, gold actually made a new all time high. Uh, and I'm looking at the front month futures contract, so it takes in that you know count the price. But gold got to 2100 in August, and silver never got back to 50. So it's overall since the uh, you know since the bottom. I mean, it has underperformed. I don't. I wouldn't want to be trading that spread right now. Or the oh, nothing. The hedge fund, the Paris trading is really tough. You get on the wrong side of it, and it's ugly. So, I mean, I'm doing that with everything. Normally, I'm, I'm putting this, I'm pairing this off and this off. And, you know, when you see AG ripping, I would have been buying other silver stocks, you know, just against that. But it's doing its own thing because there's short interest there. So, it's, it's, it's tough to just do all your textbook relationship-based trades when, you know, you've got certain, you know, different different things happening in the market. And... Well and and that's when you you know you got to just sit back and educate yourself a little bit with what's happening and find the new relationships you know like i said i was exploiting new relationships last week gamestop starts going up i'm going to start buying bed bath and beyond and i'm buying amc you know just for like short term trades like just you know literally going in these trades for a few months when i see a sudden move in gamestop i was using it as an indicator i think that indicator is you know maybe even slowed down here this morning because we see gamestop holding up fairly well. I mean, it's only down four bucks, but the market ripped higher. So, I mean, and 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 also today, obviously GameStop's down, but some of these other ones are way up still, AMC. So relationships, the dynamics of them are constantly changing right now. What do you think the silver miners are doing right now? They're getting everywhere. Hey, get out there. Let's get that out of the ground. Let's get this out there. Well, Production. I, 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 I was going to say, if you want to look beyond just the futures or even the SLV, there are a bunch of small mining stocks trading up this morning. I mean, just if you look at what, like, what's up, what's leading the way, it's it's AG, like you mentioned, but it's like Core Mining, CDE, oh, yeah. Endeavor Silver, EX, EXK, yeah. uh, Silver Core, SVM, MAG, Mary the Alpha Golf. Yeah, it's all these silver stocks. Hecla Mining, HL, all these lower price keep up with silver stocks are just blasting off. So, uh, that's going to be those are going to be your leaders here, not to mention all your any other ETN DTFs are going to be your leaders here this morning. Uh, but going back to what I said before, I, I so okay, so this started because the the Reddit post I think that that kicked this entire thing off was I think what they're trying to do is force physical delivery, f- force the banks to take physical delivery. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to buy a bunch of options and force the banks to take delivery. But then there's also the other side that's saying who is the largest holders of silver. It's these hedge funds and we don't want to help them. So that's why I think there's, there's this division and makes the market. It's it, that's what makes, yeah, sellers, exactly. Right? That's what makes the market. Exactly. Right. Mean, Joel. You know, buyers that's and sellers. I yeah. mean, when Lisa comes home and there's no silverware to eat food with, I'll just have to tell her, <laughs> I'll just have to tell her the truth. I yeah. went to the, to the coin store. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, you know, and this is the thing. They want to come in and punish the hedge funds. The hedge funds still own all the stocks. Like when yeah. you're moving stuff, you know, you, 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 you hurt Melvin capital with the GME, but then you had BlackRock, 
And, you know, when we're looking at the volumes on Citadel, who is still playing market maker, taking 27%, and, you know, somebody's doing the math and they're making, you know, still making a ton oh, of money here. Yep. So you're not breaking the hedge funds. I mean, the whole crusade, if that's what it's all about, is not going to break the hedge funds. They are going to continue to make money. And there's a lot of hedge funds that own a lot of silver. So, you know, there is some people that are short, but overall, when you see, you know, price going up like this, it's creating market cap. And the majority of that market cap is going to be going to hedge funds. So yeah. net, you know, hedge funds are going to be net winners in all of these moves. You know, even though you break one short fund, you know, or a couple short hedge funds, the hedge funds are still winning. You're not going to, you know, come in here and say, oh, yeah, we're breaking all the hedge funds and taking all the money. That's not going to happen. Yeah, And everyone in the chat who's saying ignore silver that's what's moving. Our show has always been, we, we talk about what is moving in the pre-market and after our recession from the day before. Okay. That's what's moving today. That that's is what the show is about, to tell you where the action yeah. is. Yeah. yeah we that never is, thought, we'd like, we don't prescribe this stuff. I mean, it's, it's what the market is, is giving us to talk about. Right. I, I, Triple D and I were talking and it's just like, you know, a bizarro world, you know, it's just like, this is something in our collective years together. Ugh. Just like, I, I mean, and that, you know, you can look at technicals. We look at the things that are going on. The stuff. There's a lot of different things. And Dennis, you made a, a comment like uh, uh, last week about, you know, maybe who's ultimate responsible for all this. And it's the Fed. I mean, no, big, no bigger pumper and dumper oh, than, yeah. than the Fed. Yeah, it goes I all mean, the way back. You know, yeah, you go a long way. I mean, this you is can the talk. Fed's market, show. Yeah. This is on them, yeah. really. This is what they wanted. They weren't yeah. concerned about price. They weren't concerned about you nope. know, bubbles. They weren't concerned about irrational exuberance, you know, basically. Now, that's what, Inflation. you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what Powell's been saying. Let's just keep pumping Powell at the helm here. And, I mean, this is what they've asked for. So this is the market. This market does fall back at the Fed. I agree. Yeah. So I I don't know if we're going to be able to get Jerome Powell on today, but uh, he may not come on after we just said that. Yeah. Great. Now we don't lose Powell. Maybe we'll get uh, Auntie Jeanette. That'd be good. Yeah. Pump and Powell. But whatever. Let's uh let's move helicopter on. Ben, Pump and Powell. I mean, he took over well from Helicopter Ben. I think Pump and Powell pumps more than <laughs> Helicopter Ben never did though. So. <laughs> I mean, we don't, the, the, the debt, the deficit. I mean, what's so who big cares? now doesn't even matter at this point in time. No, no, who knows? But all right, uh, Ben Bernanke, I don't think we can get him on the show either. All uh, right, let's talk. Let's, so they don't, stocks. they want to talk stocks too. I mean, we have a big earnings week here. Huge. I don't know if the earnings are going to matter. It's going to be, we're still going to be talking every day about what Reddit is moving. But we got, on Tuesday, we got Amazon, Google, Alibaba, Whew. Pfizer, ExxonMobil. Um, and then Wednesday, we got PayPal. No, the list goes on and on. We're in a big tech earnings week here. Obviously, with the big guns, Amazon and Google on Tuesday. I mean, let's talk technicals on a couple of these stocks ahead of the reports. We've, we've had an ugly market for a couple of days. So you're actually seeing a, a market where some of these stocks are going to actually be kind of weak going in the report, unless we have this amazing recovery all day today. I mean, you just look at the technicals on Amazon. It is bouncing a little bit here this morning, but it's really gone nowhere for quite a few months here. Do the earnings yeah. matter, though? That's the biggest question. Do know. they matter? They didn't well, really matter. With, you know, they mattered with Microsoft for a few minutes, and then eventually gave it back. Had a fantastic report. They kind of mattered with Apple for a little bit, but then eventually gave a, a lot of it back, too. I mean, they're moving with the overall market. But do does Amazon and Google earnings matter? I'm not sure. I don't know the answer to that question. You, you, if, they, you, if they matter more than a few minutes. 
you uh you know you talk about you know themes like during earnings seasons you know like back in uh uh, what was it? Q2. We were like, you know, all these companies, bad reports. They didn't care. They bought the dip. They came in. You know, Delta Airlines loses $7.50. Buy the dip. And yeah. so coming into this one, it seems like they want to sell the rip. And I don't know if it's because of the market dynamics, but Apple had a big pre-earnings run, made a new all-time high the day before, an all-time closing high the day after. They sold it. Same thing with Microsoft. So that is the current trend so far to sell good earnings. Uh, who knows? I mean, it, you know, it, that dynamic could change. It also started with uh, the banks, like J.P. Morgan. That made a new all-time high the day before its report. And then it hang in there, hung in there, and then uh, sold off. So that's been the trend. Amazon's in the middle of no man's land. Even if I look at this. and I, Got you know, nowhere for months. Yeah. Yeah. Is months. It gonna bust months above? of consolidation. One, two, three, four, five. Six months between 3,000 and 3,500. I, I, I think they do well, but I don't know if any of it matters. Spencer, what do you think? Are we really going to be looking here and analyzing and say, if Amazon blows it out, it's going to really rally? Or is it going to be one of those cases where they just you know decide, you know, okay, well, they, they blow it out, they buy it, but everybody knew Amazon was going to buy it, so they just sell it back off anyways. I mean, there's no trend here. Amazon looks to me like it's been, a, from a technical base, when you go way out, you think, okay, well, this is in consolidation, you know, consolidating the big move that we had in April, May, and June. And eventually we're going higher. And I've been saying, I think Amazon's eventually a $5,000 stock. But in this market, this new market, I don't know anything. I'm learning as I go because, you know, we're seeing stock moves, you know, and obviously, you know, we, you know, you can do different, you know, you can still do trades and still do short-term technical trades. But it's hard to just say that, you know, okay, they're going to kick ass on the report and they're going to rip higher because of that. It's just not the market where I don't know if it all matters. So, Dennis, we had this conversation uh, a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, right right out the week of Netflix or Netflix's report. And and you were saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, the stocks are not being rewarded this running season. And I, I said, well, hold on, because we we've only gotten the banks and, like, Netflix. Like, that's really it. Primarily. Now, now we're two weeks into this thing, two weeks later into this thing. Go yeah. back to that. Look at that Netflix chart, for example. I mean, that's right that, Joel just said it. That's been the story of this earnings season, if there is one. It's it's by the, it's by the rumor, sell the news. Netflix reported an amazing quarter, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't well, they popped, matter. but they just couldn't hold the gains. I mean, Microsoft, amazing quarter, popped, but couldn't hold the gains. Right. I mean, the fade, the shorts, and the evil shorts, the shorts are making money off of these earnings reports by coming here and fading these moves. They've, they've, that's the trade that's been working. Um, you know, but you look at Amazon and you think about the premiums. And I got my buddy Bruce out there. If he's listening to the show, he just sells the weekly Amazon call a hundred points below, and the and, or, or, or the put a hundred points below and the call a hundred points up every single week. He's been doing this for months. He's had the perfect environment for doing that on Amazon oh too. Gosh. The premiums are incredible. I mean, you get on this thing, Joel. Um, right now, obviously, there's an earnings report baked in. So, you know, the premiums are even more jacked. But he's been getting, you know, 50, 60, 80 bucks a week off of Amazon just, you know, popping it. And, and this week, I think that, you know, when you're selling that lower, well, let's go check it out because, um, you know, we'll bring up the options here. I'm not saying to sell naked options. This is not a strategy for a lot of people. But, you know, it, you know, if you don't mind owning Amazon, you want to own it lower. Um, that's what he's looking at. And 
but he's doing both sides of it too. So he's just basically providing the insurance to the market, you know, being the lottery corporation on the call side of it. But if we look at Amazon here and we look at the calls and the puts for this week's expiration, which my system is running very slow right now. I don't know why that is. Oh, I bet you. you have I, I, no, I don't have my option chain up, but I mean, I, I you can only imagine. Uh, it, like, it might not be a bad idea, even going into the earnings. I mean, is it going to rip 500 points higher on you? I don't think so, but I mean, in this market, anything can happen. So, you know, we are in a market where, you know, if you've been writing options on the wrong stocks, you could get buried. So you've got to be somewhat careful with that. But these are the mega caps, and I don't think there's an imminent short squeeze coming in Amazon. But just looking at the weekly expiration, so look at the Feb 5 on Amazon, 3,300 calls. You can get 65 bucks for those. You're going to get more today because moving up, that's 100 points out of the money. So that means 165 points has got to go up before you start losing money. And looking at the downside, if you're doing like the 3,100 puts, um, you're the same thing. You're 56 bucks. So, you know, you could do that. You could do that 200 points wide and take in 120 points of premium. So that's a 320 point move before you start losing money on that straddle. I mean, that's 10%. So there's, there's some money to be made if you've got, you know, and obviously again, you know, a lot of people, the problem is you write a put on Amazon. Can you afford to buy the stock? Because that's what, you know, you're obviously obligated to do. If it comes to go down, it's a $3,100 stock. So, you know, this might not be for your smaller retail trader, but for some of the hedge funds and some of the other, there's definitely some traders that are doing stuff like this. Don't kid yourself. People have realized that the premiums are kind of jacked on options right now. And you see, you know, this is not just an earnings event thing. This has been, you know, uh, the case with Amazon and uh, some of these other options for a while with the VIX up. So if there are, if there's a lot of market makers right in 3300s and, and obviously right in 3100s, those become natural support, natural resistance, Joel. So that's maybe a little bit to do with the sideways action is you've just got a lot of, you know, market making option writers there, you know, that are, and, and you know, and other hedge funds maybe doing the same thing. And it kind of locks it in. Yeah, and and when and when it when it blows out, it, you you know it blows out. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, you got to have the capital on the downside, and you're kind of you just you know like a lot of people want to cheer. Oh, this market's got to go up, 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 up. And then there's other people. Oh, the, we want the market to quit and crush, push it down, down, down. There's so many people and that are out there that are just taking advantage of all this and sound they're saying okay. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. That's yeah. fine. They're making me. money. They're making money. The I mean, option there's... writers make the most money in a sideways market. You know, that's what, you know, especially if you're writing naked. I mean, a lot of people like, let's buy the stock and write the calls. You know, well, then you're going to just sell a put. It's pretty much the same thing. So, I mean, obviously, you know, some people aren't allowed to write naked puts. But I, the white reason I, I used to do a lot of call writing against my portfolio, but when you get a ripping high market, you call it away from everything and you're still taking the downside risk. I mean, it's the same thing with writing a put. You're obviously just getting the premium, but you're taking that, you know, risk on a black swan event, you know, option writers get crushed. Those don't happen every day. Is this the type of market a black swan event could happen in though? It is. There's, you know, the tea leaves are here that, you know, there could potentially be some, you know, you know, volatility increasing, especially when you take short sellers, you know, out of the equation, a lot of stocks. But I mean, Amazon is thick. So yeah, I don't mind that strategy. Not on no, Amazon, it's the right stock. For different right times, right? I mean, you know, was it the right strat? Was your buddy employing it when it went from, you know, 1600 to, you know, 3500 No, that's not fun. <laughs> right. That's not as fun. So you got you to look at, you got to evaluate the environment. You got to have the 
big enough account to do it, to take on the stock if you get it. And then you also have to recognize, I mean, it works, it works, it works, it works, it works, it works. And if you do it enough consistently, it's great. But when it, when it stops working, you got to, you got to recognize that. And I yeah. think that just comes with experience and there's different ways to like clip the wings on the iron condor. I don't know all the, the fancy terms, but no, we'll see. I, Right now, the so far trend's been selling the pot. We talked to really. It started with uh, the banks and Netflix. And when I was talking about Netflix with you guys, I was just talking about that all-time closing high price. I would I pounded into you guys' head to keep an eye on that. Where's the close? Where are the institutions marked at? You know their best mark, and their best mark was five eighty-six thirty-four. That was the day that it had the earnings report. It traded above it for a little bit on the 21st and you up at 88.75 and you haven't sniffed that since. And now you're back at 532. So a lot of different, lot of different strategies. What about Alibaba? Because obviously we've known a lot of, you know, other stuff besides the quiet. company has been going on. It has been quiet. We know Jack Ma is alive and, you know, he's obviously not being as pronounced in the media. Um I mean, we've had a significant rally from the bottoms. It's just hanging out here. Full disclosure, I still have uh, my half of my position. I'd sold half because I was nervous, which was a mistake. Never sell the dip, I guess. <laughs> uh, proven wrong here again on selling the dip. 257.10 this morning. Is this one that the earnings are going to matter? Spencer, what are your thoughts? You're quiet here in the background. I mean, there's so many other stories going on with Alibaba, but maybe all those other stories will pull off. Maybe it will matter. Technical again. on this one, man. Look yeah. at this. Textbook 320 to 212, and you got half of it back, 266. I mean, I just didn't make these lines up like yesterday. I mean, look at that. I mean, what a what a retracement on that move. And now it's pausing. Now it now it's gonna be let's see what happens, you know, on the on the fade here. How low does it get? Does it get back to 235, 240? I don't know. Spencer, you wanna you wanna tackle that one? No. <laughs> no, I don't. As a, as a matter of fact, I, Dennis, I, I would much rather just do what Joel's doing, honestly, and just look at what the technicals and look at the chart because I don't freaking know. I don't know if it's going to matter or not, you know? Yeah. Well, technicals, the Who technicals not matter, Joel. You can right. say. Maybe this is the best technical trading environment. Like, they've killed fundamentals, so now you don't have to worry as much about that. I mean, I'm still holding it through an earnings report. I don't think a lot of technical traders do that. But I mean, and it's tough to talk technicals about a stock ahead of it. But, you know, you look at, you know, where could it go? If this thing, you know, if this thing beats and rips higher, that 280 stands out like a sore thumb. If it was to ever, if it was to get up there, you know, get a 23 point ripper on the earnings report, I'd probably fade it. Again, report? am I selling short Tuesday, anything? I'm so spooked to. But... Joel, Joel, Tuesday morning. Okay, tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, that's why we're talking. So, I uh, gotcha. Um, my bad. Okay, so then we can go. PayPal's going to report. Um, there's so many stocks that are going to report here coming into the week. You can go UPS. Yeah, yeah Google tomorrow, Chipotle tomorrow afternoon, EA, yeah. ExxonMobil. They had a headline over the weekend that they had discussed a merger with Chevron last year. They report tomorrow morning. Pfizer is tomorrow morning. Um, UPS tomorrow morning. That's pretty much it. Uh, what about FedEx and UPS? Because, Joel, there's a trade happening here that is like, we're not going to get as many packages delivered here in the near future. Like the, the, They were firing on all cylinders and like this is as good as it gets because FedEx is now off significantly from the highs. I still own FedEx, full disclosure. 
three hundred dollars all the way down to two thirty-five. UPS, Ooh. same story. One seventy-five. Obviously, volatility has always been less in UPS, but I mean, it's hanging out right at key support here, one fifty-five. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Honestly. and you bring the longer-term chart, and you're like, man, there's a lot of air below. Even on FedEx, there's a lot of air below because these stocks Still. had some incredible moves. So, I mean, really putting it in perspective, you know, if you, you you know, there's been some money made in GameStop. There's been some money made in some of these smaller, shorted names. But overall, and what we've been talking about is the market has been weak here in the last couple of weeks. Like we have rolled over here on the queues, we have rolled over here on the spy, but we have rolled over here significantly. On some of the storied stocks from 2020, and UPS and FedEx were storied stocks from 2020, and they have not performed here in the last couple of weeks, not at all. This FedEx, I mean, it, I hadn't looked at this. I mean, that that's just, that's just struggling horrible. to catch a bed. Yeah, that's. I mean, when it, it gets that far off, it's high. You may, you know, what what's going to drive it back up there? I mean, I don't think we're going to go into you know, the same kind of situation that we were before, but it's come off a lot. But when you're looking at it, it was under a hundred bucks. It went to 300 bucks. Hard to, I mean, it looks like it's got 220 written on it now, right? That's the next yeah. monthly low. UPS is, it's just less volatile. It doesn't, it doesn't move as much, but I don't know. Do we have uh, Mr. Chaykin on this week? Cause I want to ask him about this. Cause that was his, his key for the market was. Yep. Uh, he's on on Thursday. He'll be on on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. FedEx. Look at that. 155 area. Still support is support until it's taken out. Right. Yeah. All right. We're going to bring Joe Saluzzi on here in a second. Want to remind you all to hit that like button, hit subscribe, wherever you're watching. If you're watching on we're on like too many places right now, but YouTube, uh, <laughs> wherever you're watching, hit that like button uh, and show us some love. We appreciate that. I do want to bring on Joe Saluzzi for our Market Structure Monday segment. Let's see what I can do here. All right. Joe Saluzzi is the partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. Joe, good morning. All right, guys. How you doing? Can you hear me? We hear you loud and clear. Awesome. All right. Okay. Help us understand what happened last week. Is this all the result of clearing firms and the 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 way that's set up? There's a lot of questions, right, Spencer? Right, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to pretend to know the answers, but but I would yeah. say <laughs> what I would say is there were a lot of speculation and a lot of people who thought they knew the answers last week who had no idea what they were talking about. And we're actually very irresponsible in the accusations that were being made. Yeah. And, and, you know, they seem to think that they knew everything and who made what call. What, nobody knows. OK, there needs to be an investigation. There needs to be some more detailed uh, analysis of what went on. It's a shame that the SEC can't just come to us immediately with a report and say, these are all the traders. This is what happened. This was doing what? But they don't have a proper surveillance system still in place. Years and years now being built, the consolidated audit trail. So. The answer to your question is, I don't know. <laughs> Joe, right, what about, sure. well, let's take it over to what's been driving the market, this Wall Street bets. And obviously, you know, it seems like they gang up one stock and then it moves. Today, it's silver, apparently. What are your thoughts here just from, you know, just, I mean, there's so many thoughts that I have on it too. And it's mixed thoughts. I mean, you get a group of 10, 20,000 traders and they're like, let's get silver going. Let's jump on silver. I mean, is this, you know, um, you know, legal activity? It's, 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 it's such a gray area because it's such a big group. What are your thoughts here just on the whole Reddit Wall Street bets? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, good luck, I say to them, right? First of all, if you if you want to take a shot at something, but a market is a market, and you guys know that. And the yeah. way prices are set is when a diverse group of, of individuals, uh, corporations, and so on, we all get into a market, and we figure out what the price is. There are buyers, there are sellers, supply and demand. You know, remember those two uh, axes in your economics class? That's what's supposed to set price. Now, what you've got, obviously, when a mob comes in, and they're all trying to do it on one side, well, We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I actually just went back and looked at the chart at GameStop. And I'm like, okay, this started around January 13th is when we had that first move and the volume was yeah. going. But the biggest move was from January 26th close, which was $145, to uh, January 27th open, which was $354, right? $200 move when markets were closed. All right, so let's think about that. Who made money? Who made the chunk of the $200? Yeah. I don't know, right? I don't think every one of the you know the, the Reddit guys made that big chunk unless they were long and they stayed long, which is very hard to do. If you had a stock from twenty and it's at one hundred and fifty, are you going to stay long, Dennis? I, I, mean, I probably I would have gone. I would have gone at sixty. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like, yeah, good trade. <laughs> so, so they may you know they may think that they are in charge of this, but the market's in charge, and the market is going to set price in the end. And whether or not certain individuals are doing certain things, I don't know. But actually, you know, I, I would like to, to get back to that Robin Hood story when you guys get a second, because that was unique. That was definitely unique in the whole scheme of the whole thing. Well, Joe, what do you make of the fact that that all the brokers tended to, and Robin Hood included, uh, kind of threw their clearing firms under the bus a little bit, right? Saying, oh, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. And that's why I led, I led with that question, because that's right. Well, Robin, Robin Hood self-clears, right? right? Okay, right. So so, so maybe that right. They, they were blaming DTCC, yeah, which yeah. is what DTCC is supposed to do is to make sure that there's enough capital in the in the system. We don't want another 2008. We don't want another long term capital. We don't want another you know situation like that. So you better have capital in your firm if you are doing those types of trades. So yeah, yeah. that was the proper thing. The problem that Robinhood had is that they obviously based on press reports is they didn't have the capital. So they went and raised capital the next few days. But in the meantime, they had no choice but to shut it down because the firm was in. It appears they were outside of the bounds of the net capital requirements from the SEC. So they were in trouble. So whether, you know, it wasn't in and every one of the, the CEO keeps saying nobody made me a call. Nobody called up saying to shut it down. Yeah. And it appears that that's probably what happened. They didn't call him. He had a net capital problem. And that, like you said, a lot of brokers have that problem. But, you know, Robin Hood. From the way I look at it is, and we've been following these guys and talking about them for years now. We actually wrote our first piece on Robinhood even before they did their first trade because we saw them coming. We said, oh, look at this. It's a free model. Free. How do you, how do you trade for free, right? How do you trade for free? Well, we looked and the, the two founders are actually ex-HFT guys. They were high-frequency trading um, pedigree. So they knew how the system worked, right, in our opinion. They knew the, they knew the plumbing. And the main part of the plumbing of the stock market, and this is what everybody has to understand, is payment for order flow is embedded in the stock market. Everywhere you go, there's payment for order flow, whether it's a market maker paying for that retail order or it's a stock exchange paying a rebate to get liquidity on their exchange. These are both very distortive processes. Order routing is distorted. Algorithms go where they get the best price. Retail brokers go where they get the most payment for order flow. And what happens is these orders are being intercepted before they should get out to the general market, before the real price discovery process should start. And that's why we have these problems. So again, we would always argue that payment for order flow is a bad thing, should have never been in the market in the first place, and it should be banned. And I hate to use the word banned because I'm a free market guy, but this is a practice which distorts things and it doesn't need to be there. We can have a market 
without payment for water flow, and we'd still be fine. I mean, this is you know something I've argued to the regulators for a decade here, and it's just a, the, the argument that comes back at me so is that well, yeah, but everybody wants free commissions. How do you do free commissions without payment for order flow? What do you say to the person you know that says, yeah, but you know, how do we do free commissions then? Well, do you, do you really okay? Maybe the market really shouldn't have free commissions. In the I, sense I agree that, with that. That's yeah, why. That's what I argue back. <laughs> right. What's the market rate? Someone's getting paid. The market rate. No one's doing anything for free, guys. Right. I hate to say it. There's no free lunch. I learned that in economics as well. So I got the. I got two things: the price, supply, and demand line. Right. And I got no free lunch. Learned a lot there. But there's no free. They're not doing it for free. You got to pay. Someone's got to pay. And the way it works right now is the retail broker collects a nice vig. From the market maker, why does the market maker do that? Let's think about that question. Well, because they want to see all the flow. And the more flow they see, the more they can direct and figure out which way the markets are going. And it's a bigger picture. It's not about your one order in XYZ stock. They could care less about that one order. They want to see the whole picture so they can understand where retail is going, where's institutional. And that's put into a much bigger model, way beyond the scope of what we're talking about here. But the, the prices, by the way, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars Robinhood made last year from payment for order flow, as well as other brokers. They all, all the retail brokers, and this is easily available. You can all look at it. Everybody online, look up a 606 report and you can see any one of these retail brokers and how much money they're getting paid or they're paying. Now, here's an interesting point. Robinhood has no exchange memberships. They're not a member of New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, SIBO, none of them. And you can look at the FINRA broker check to confirm that if you don't believe me. They only route orders to market makers. So that tells you they're beholden to the market maker. They have to go to the market maker. But the market maker on the flip side loves that order. He wants that order. So they've got this nice relationship going. But what happens if they want to route out to an exchange? Well, they can go to the market maker who would bypass it to the exchange. But now you got fees because every time you go out and take an offer from an exchange, you have to pay. Yeah. Okay, it's called the maker taker model, right, Dennis? We've talked about that many times, and that's another problem that's being lost here. The stock exchanges, are, by the way, they're getting a free pass. By the way, they do not get a free pass, in my opinion. They are still at the center of the rebate. In fact, we were going to have a transaction pilot last uh, last year or the year before. The SEC recommended, hey, let's get rid of these rebates, and guess what? The industry shot it down. The stock exchanges lined up and sued the SEC. So all you guys on Reddit and all you guys on Wall Street Bets, you want to find the culprits? You want to find the real guys who are controlling the system? Go look at some of the SEC filings. Go look at some of the legal aspects. Go look at the lawsuits that these guys will file to make sure that their business model stays the way it is. Those are the guys you want to take a look at. So, so Joe, was was last week, you think, always an inevitability from the moment that Robin Hood basically single-handedly got rid of commissions in, in, in the entire industry by themselves? I mean, was last week always going to happen with, 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 with what I'm, I'm going to say, the gamification of, of trading? Right. You know, that's a good point. A good word, gamification. But I think Robinhood, again, is kind of unique in what they do. And I don't have a Robinhood account. I've heard about it. I've seen some screenshots. I hear there's confetti and all things like that. Oh, yeah. going, right? <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. Make a trade? What's that? Is, that, is that a joke? Is it really confetti? Yes, yeah, yeah. something pops up and there's all yeah. sorts of stuff going on. So gamification is, is the exact word. And so you, when you look at Robinhood, they appear to be different than other retail brokers, right? Other ones that are offering, you know, free commissions, Ameritrade, Schwab and things. They don't seem to have that same feel where Robinhood is going and gearing themselves towards a subsector, which is fine because they found the market and they're exploiting it as much as they can and they're going to get as much business as they can. 
But the problem for them appears to be is that they grew too fast. They got way too big and they didn't realize that they were actually, you know, their internal structure wasn't the same, wasn't good enough. But that's a problem. You know, and I think that they're going to have to address that. Do they have proper risk controls? Do they have proper capital? There's a lot of issues for them in particular. But, you know, growing too fast is a problem. I, I think what you're seeing is, you know, th th they encouraged for what seven or eight years now, uh, come on our platform, free trading, free trading, free trading. And uh, then it, it got to a point where, yeah, maybe there is too much, too much of that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the solution is, to what you're saying, uh, less payment for order flow, more back to commissions. But payment for order flow, correct me if I'm wrong, though, it doesn't, it won't impact like the small investor, right? The small time trader. Uh, I, I think it directly does, but we'll let Joe answer that. But, yeah, well, they're all they all bunch together, right? So each individual order in and itself isn't necessarily a big deal, right? Right. You want to trade ten shares of X Y Z, it shouldn't be a big deal. But when you aggregate them all. That's when the model is being built. That's when this whole, again, ask yourself, why does somebody pay for somebody else's order to execute it? Well, it's information. It's not money. <laughs> well, you remember Wall Street, our favorite movie, right? For all the old younger kids, Wall Street was a movie with Gordon Gekko and Bud Fox. It was back in 1987. <laughs> so awesome. Gordon, Gekko, Gordon Gekko says to Bud Fox, the most valuable commodity I know of is, is information. It's all about it. It's always been about information. And the more you can gather, the more you can make. So they said, okay, listen, I'll pay a few bucks for that information, but I'll make more while I'm what I'm gathering. And that's their business model. And by the way, this came out of Bernie Madoff way back when, when Bernie Madoff's from. I, I was going to ask you if, if you knew who started paying for the flow, because I, yeah, I, I bet you he did. Was one of the, he was one of the first. They called it the third market. This was not his investment and manager, which was the you know Ponzi scheme. He had two setups. He had an investment manager and he had a brokerage firm. The brokerage firm basically would trade New York Stock Exchange listed stocks in the quote unquote third market, and they would pay brokers to send that flow over to them in lieu of sending it to the exchange. But back then it was a very, very small, small piece compared to now. You're looking at stock exchange volume of probably 50 percent, which is off market volume, not stock exchange volume, 50 percent off exchange and 50 percent on exchange. That balance is tilting way too much. And if I was the stock exchanges, I'd be a little bit nervous. But when they see 14 billion shares on the tape, they're like, well, we're still making money. Right? But you have to be careful how much is going off because you are losing price discovery, right? We're talking about diverse market participants all interacting in a pool, trying to trade with each other. And now when I split 50% of it off, what's the real price? That's when you get disjointed prices like GameStop and, and the rest of this stuff. So, you know, there are issues there. There are issues that need to be addressed. These are deep market structure plumbing issues that haven't gone away, that have been root, that have been sitting around for the last 20 years, and now they're really starting to bubble up. The plumbing is just broken in so many, you know, you make a great point with the payment for order flow, but I mean, now we're on, you know, the evil short seller. You know, the media is running with this, you know, that short selling is, you know, basically un-American in some cases you're reading stuff. You know, Elon Musk coming out and saying, why should we be able to short stocks? I mean, this impacts price discovery more than anything because I short stocks all the time, but I've backed off too because I don't want to get run over. I don't short any small cap stocks now. Nothing with any short interest for sure, but mm -hmm. even any small cap stock, I'm scared to do. So you already had an issue with liquidity in the small caps, probably due to payment for order flow. Now all of a sudden you get you know the professional market makers that are still trading on the exchanges and they're willing to put some liquidity out there and say, okay, I think the stock price is stupid. I'm going to short it, this stock, and you know it's going to come back in. 
they're spooked now too. So now you get a thinner markets yet. I mean, we're in this, you know, and we wonder why the VIX is starting to climb and escalate here, but it's the market plumbing here that's causing this. Yeah, I think you make a great point, Dennis. And, and you know, you you got stocks that may be properly shorted. And it's a word properly, right? Where you're getting the borrow, you're doing all the right things. There's nothing wrong, like you, to your point, with shorting stocks. There's longs, there's shorts. That's what make a market. If, if, the, if the stock goes up, the shorts are going to feel the pain. That's just the way it is. But if they have an investment thesis that says, I believe this company is not worth what it should be, they have every right to short the stock as long as they have the proper borrows in place and that they're doing the right thing when it comes to clearing. Okay. But there, if there are companies out there, if there are investors, like you're saying, who are covering shorts because they're afraid of the mob coming in to squeeze them, I am. what's going to happen is you're going to get a disjointed market. You're going to have a company that maybe deserves to be at a lower valuation, which maybe sets up for a nice short, Dennis. Good luck. And that's the problem with shorts. You could be right, but you could be carried out dead by the time they figured out you know, that you were right and you're going to lose all your money. And shorting losses are infinite. Long losses are what you put in, right? And then you have the whole derivative aspect of it, which I'm not obviously, you guys have trade options a lot more than, I don't even trade options here. We just trade equities, but that's a whole, another way of looking at this, another bet on the short side or long side. So it's pretty complicated, but what, why should shorts, you know, go back to everyone's bringing up Enron and, and companies like that, WorldCom, short sellers expose accounting irregularities, right? They expose problems at company. They force corporate management into doing things which are better for the corporate. Now, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I hope that's what they're doing. Now, I know a lot of them obviously are just hoping the price goes down so they can cover it because that's what they're going to make their money. But in the end, stocks, I believe, will revert to their real value. I do still believe in the efficient market hypothesis. I do believe stocks of price will get to their fair price, but you're going to have noise in between. And now we're at, no, we're, at the, we're at the peak noise level on some of this garbage that's trading out there, right? And that's what it is. So eventually it's going to go back to where it should be. Who's going to be left holding the bag? I can tell you one people, the people who are out there screaming, hold the line and all the rest. I don't think they're going to be the bag holders. I think well, they're going to be selling to the bag holders. Well, did you see too, um, just the stats uh, coming out of Bloomberg there um, on Citadel. And they were they and uh, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they were just looking at the other side of GameStop. And retail was a net seller of GameStop Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That doesn't sound like holding the line to me. Sounds like a regular market to me. It sounds like yeah. a prudent investor to me. It sounds like yeah. somebody who knows how to manage their risk. And that's what they should be doing. And I think most retail investors are doing that. I think they understand what's going on and that there's this whole, there's a bit of a social media hype. And that's part of the problem here as well. Obviously, everybody jumps on them. Everybody assumes what's going on in social media is correct. And that's what everyone else is doing. But no, I think there are a lot of prudent investors who understood what was going on. And they said, you know what, I'm going to take some profits or, you know, I'm going to trade it back and forth throughout the day. And those numbers that you just point to prove the point that there wasn't a hundred percent buying. And by the way, who else was buying? That's do we know? Do we know if it was all mom and pop and guys in the basement? Do we sure. know that? Of course if not. Retail was a net seller Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. How does GameStop go on Monday from sixty-one dollars up to four hundred and eighty-three dollars if retail was a net seller overall? That's yeah. telling me there's some major professional players in there that are saying, "Hey, we've got somebody you know on the ropes here." Let's give them some shots here, too. So I don't think this was all a retail mob that was driving Melvin Capital, trying to drive them out of business. There's other hedge funds involved in here trying to pump the price up as well. I believe that. I would agree. And I'd hope we get some evidence of this. And, and this is, again, this is speculation on our part. Yeah, speculation. We don't know, 
Right. We don't know who's in the market, but we don't know who's not in the market. Let's look at it that way. You don't know if XYZ hedge fund based in Long Island is not pushing the, the price up. We don't know if XYZ hedge fund in California is not pushing the price up or buying the stock, shall we say. The only thing that what I would like to see, I would like to see regulators take a look at all the activity and maybe can cross check it against some of these message boards of some of the more approved you know, messages. I hear that you have to be approved before you can send like a Wall Street bet uh, commenting or whatever, but let's take a look and let's do some cross-checking. Did you have some pump and dumpers who were yeah. big guys on Wall Street who are out there doing this? And if so, those are the guys that the mob should be after. Those so are the what guys about the really- hundred? What about the huge short float? And you know, 100, 110, 140%. Uh, could you could you address that, please? I think there's an issue there, that, Joe. I think that borrowing is, is is you know, this is one of these seedy or gray areas of Wall Street, right? I don't want to say seedy. That's a bad word. Gray is, you know, back office stuff is very important to Wall Street. And people have to understand, right, the, the system that Wall Street set up, it's a heavily regulated system. It's extremely complex with back offices, borrows, loans, and whatnot. All of these intricacies are moving together. You know, why does it take two days to settle a trade still? This is kind of, right, yeah. that's kind of a weird thing. But, but the, you know, was it? Was the borrow in place? Did you have the borrow? These are the questions I don't know the answers to. Were you naked shorting a stock? Did you, you know, what was the, apparently the loan rates are not that high, which is interesting because there's a lot of stock out there. So I don't know. I don't know the answer. But if somebody was naked shorting a stock, that is illegal. Then they should have a problem. You know, the regulators should be knocking on the door. Guys with windbreakers should be showing up. All right. But we need to know that. So that's an important piece of the puzzle. And again, I'll push back on the regulators and exchanges because that's their job. But I will say the prop industry is highly regulated here. There is not the majority. People think that everybody's just naked shorting is just a free for all. If you go before 2008, you may have a case because they obviously came with stringent rules after 2008 with the financial crisis. And they cracked down on all this. And prop firms get audited continuously for this kind of stuff. And if you're out there actively naked shorting stocks, you're not only going to get fined, you can end up going to jail. The regulators are on this. This is low-hanging fruit. It's fairly easy to just track. You grab a trader and you track it through. Is there a borrow there? If the borrow isn't there and you were shorting the stock, you know, you're probably in some trouble. So this is something where prop firms are dotting I's and crossing T's. And there's this, you know, media myth that's running out there that everybody's just naked shorting every stock and it's a free-for-all. There's one stock that's over 100%. There is market maker, you know, implications here where tracking, it's not instant, you know. So I'm not saying there isn't some naked short selling going on in GameStop. I don't know. I can't know that. You know, you see over 100%. You suspect there probably is. But there's no other stocks I don't see. I don't see a hell of a lot of stocks over 100%. I will just say from our perspective as a prop firm, if we've got traders doing naked short selling, the regulator comes in and audits that. It's not only the trader getting fined, the firm is going to get significant fines too because they need to oversee that. So this isn't, you know, common practice naked short selling. I will tell you that at least from, you know, from a prop trading perspective. Yeah, I, I think I agree there, Dennis. And again, I would like to see the, you know, the regulators. And wouldn't it be nice if they just came out and said, you know, we analyzed the, all the trading from last week and there were no short, naked short sellings. Can't they just come out and make a statement to feel so people can feel better? But they can't really say that because, they, you know, they still have obviously some system issues. Again, back to that consolidated audit trail. It's getting there. It's been 10 years in the making. It's trying to be on to the point where it's like this eye in the sky and it can see across different markets, equities and stocks. But that will be a good thing because, you know, here's the thing. Regulation is not bad. 
There's nothing wrong with good regulation. There's nothing wrong with surveillance. Somebody we know made a good example last week. You know, he said he showed this picture of an open field. He goes, would you like to play the Super Bowl on the open field with no referees and no lines? Or then he shows a picture of the of a football field. Would you rather play the Super Bowl on a field with 10-yard markers, right? Referees there to make the call, have rules in place so everybody knows what's fair. That, to me, is what makes sense. That's what Wall Street is all about. We're not this bunch of renegade guys running around just doing what we want. There are rules in place. And like you said, Dennis, if you break the rules, you go to jail and you get heavy fines. Heavy fines. Heavy fines. And by the way, Robin Hood got fined $65 million last year for best execution problems due to payment for order flow. Okay, so the tip-offs are there, folks. We knew this was coming. This is not new. So, but the regulators were on the scene. They did hit them with a hefty fine, although not hefty enough, obviously. But there are issues here. But we need that regulation to work. Joe Saluzzi, is partner and co-founder of Themis Trading, uh, knows more about this stuff than I would venture to say. More. Hey, hey, let's give a shout out before you leave to Tim Quast, whose slot I'm taking. Not an IR, right? Tim is the man. What timing? What right? timing on that, huh? Yeah. Tim's the best. I love Tim, and you guys love him too. And he's done some really good work on your show. Okay? I really am very impressed. Thank, thanks a lot, Joe. We appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. It. We always love you. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Yeah, he he knows he knows so many things. Different perspective on things, right? Yeah, you gotta yeah. have, um, there's uh, oh, there, I got some emails and there's like four Joe, stocks. That's just in the background, like Joe. I I you know this was during the financial crisis and just afterwards. But yeah, Joe Saluzzi's theme theme is trading white papers. You know that you're looking through and you're like, yeah, the plumbing's all messed up, and you get into it more. Back to 2008, 2009. So I've learned so much from Joe. Great, great guy. And he knows a lot of stuff. Right, Joel, what's up? Uh, I just got I got a few emails about uh, some stocks. And Go I just it. wanted just a real quick technical on them. Dennis, if you want to throw in there anything on them too. Uh, first one, Solar Edge. I mean, this is, has just had an incredible run. Uh, the, the sector's just been on fire. I'm really looking at this low that it had last week, 267. 268 area lows in that area i'd really like to see that hold looking for more downside on a pop i mean you got to get back half of this move and that that was a that was a big decline figure out your 50 percent retracement and use that you want to get above that line and hold it dennis any comments on uh on this overall, one? all the charts look similar i they mean and obviously solar edge it's doing its own thing maybe but you know you just even go back to the mega caps i mean we've been in We've had a, a, a significant dip. We had a significant dip overnight. Is this another opportunity to just come in and buy the dip? I don't have the answer for that question. I've been, you know, yeah. someone raising cash because I've been concerned that I don't know the implications of taking, you know, a significant amount of short selling out of the market, what that does to liquidity. And does that, you know, mean that, you know, the volatility could increase? And does that mean there's hedge funds liquidating? You know, all of these implications. I don't know. So that's why I was like, when I don't know, I get smaller. So I've taken off a lot of my swing longs. You know, I was just, you know, going, this market's going, just going straight up for months. So I was like, yeah, so we're, you know, we're going and we're, you know, on the long side, you know, day trading, you know, I'm obviously, you know, usually hedged, but I mean, I've had swing longs on a pile of them because, you know, and then obviously my long-term investment portfolio is just always long, but, you know, I've been putting extra capital into swing longs because it's been working. I've taken the majority of my swing trade longs off now because i just don't know and you know it looks somewhat you know this may be just another dip to buy i mean it's worked a million times before so in likelihood maybe it is but again there's 
different things that I don't know the implications to, you know, not having as much shorting in the market, if that is, you know, going to cause liquidity issues, which cause stocks to go lower. So that's why I've been lightening up into rallies on certain stocks. So still holding my Amazon, still holding my main core portfolio. Cautious though, right. But, but cautious, more cautious than I was before. Not just throwing risk, you know. And, and right now, if you're just coming and buying the dip, you know, and just going all in 200% on margin, I don't think this is the time to be all in. I think there's too many unknowns in, in the overall market. That's my thoughts. All right, uh, real quickly, uh, Marvel Tech Group. I mean, this chart looks great. I don't know uh, whoever was asking about this. If you have a target, you know, in this area, then you know, stick with your original plan. Look at it, 51, no, three lows in that area. So holding 51, and then my number on the upside, that all-time closing high, you'd like to see it get back above uh, 54.43. And then Apple, I mean, this thing's got to stop going down first. Uh, really retracing a lot of the move, this 126, 127 area, that's critical. Uh, if that doesn't hold, then... Uh, Perhaps more downside, but that's your area. Then the final one, a stock I never even heard of, CENTA. Uh, I don't know what happened to this thing on Thursday, but it did bounce back. It's coming up to earnings, so that reports on Wednesday. But I, if I was long this thing, holding it long term, I look at all these monthly highs above 40 going back to 2018. But I'd really like to see it get back above 40, hold 40 for another breakout. So, though, I just wanted to cover those real quick. Is there any other ones in the chat you want to cover? I just want to say again, I'm using the opportunity, though, to buy some stocks in my longer-term portfolio, some stocks that I feel like there's a story here to be had, not in the next week, but in the next, you know, you know year. Um, and you know, and even going forward, like we know I added Lockheed Martin to my longer term portfolio for the space play last week. And I said, I'm buying on the weakness and it's gotten weaker. Um, this wasn't a trade. This was stuck into the retirement account. Not going to look at it, but this value here, GM, I added that as well. Cause I feel like the general motors EV story is going to get I have some GM too. Even like you said, you know, they're going to have Super Bowl commercials and they're going to be talking about their EV. I think the general motors EV story gets hot again. So I am. I am buying some stocks on dips. It's overall, though, I am a net seller of stocks right now. I've been lightening up. Some of these stocks have just had ridiculous moves. I've talked to my, my son, Power. I mean, I bought this SPWR at $8 back, what was it, July or August? I mean, it's $55 here now. So, you know, valuation starts to become, okay, well, and this has been short squeezed. This has been part of that, you know, trade as well because there was high short interest on this. So I've been, you know, obviously benefiting from being long that because it's been squeezed up just, you know, just, you know, being just in that stock for that long. You know, you're just getting lucky that this was one that was getting squeezed as well. So you're getting extra money for that too. I mean, you know, Tim Seymour was talking about like Viacom, you know, like Viacom last week went from 35 to 60 on a short squeeze. I mean, at a certain point in time, these are still companies that have been struggling. These are companies that, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, when Viacom's $20, $30, well, it's all social media now. We don't need, you know, companies like Viacom. And obviously, you know, this short squeeze is giving you an opportunity to lighten up some of these companies that maybe shouldn't even be trading close to these valuations. So lots of opportunities for price dislocations right now. I'd say if you get your target, you get out and, you know, and you're lucky if you wanted a good company, it's getting sold off for reasons that, you know, you think, you know, aren't justified, then, you know, use those opportunities to get positioned. But buying rips and solid dips is still working. All right. Uh, keep an eye on Zynga. Just FYI, I think Kramer just said that Ryan Cohen, who is uh, the co-founder of Chewy, who's on the GameStop board, that he could push GameStop to buy Zynga. So just keep one eye on that. It's up to 10 cents since he said that. 
Uh, I'm a full disclosure. I'm right. because Michael Pactor. We know that I've talked that before. Michael Pactor. Yep. He loves it with a capital L. I love Michael Kit Pactor. I bought it just because he loves it. All right. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for our show today. Thanks to our guest, Joe Saluzzi. want to remind you once again that today's show was sponsored by Market Structure Edge. It is the first decision support platform for traders built on market structure. Try the new way to trade for free, marketstructureedge.com. There is the link. Uh, thanks to everyone in our chat. Hit that like button. Come on. I know our like to viewer ratio is not anywhere near where it should be today. So uh, let's see if we can get those likes up to uh, quadruple digits. That would make my day a little bit better. Uh, if you missed our show, we're, of course, available on YouTube. Our show is also available as a podcast on every major podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, Etc. 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 And for all you podcast listeners, please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. I'm getting a Slack call. I don't know why I'm doing that right now. Stop calling me, people. All uh, right, everyone, have a good rest of your day. Spacks attack at 11. Power hour at noon. Joel and I back at 3:40 p.m. Eastern time. Good luck in your trades and uh, stay safe.